Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from March 29th by Pastor Randy, titled, God is in Control. All right, well, welcome to our live streaming again this week. Glad to be here. And there are certain advantages to technology. One is they got an app for everything. There's even an app for hair. And I don't know, maybe I just thought we need a little bit of brevity this morning, but uh, some of you wondered, what did I look like when I had hair? Some of you have been wondering, how could I get such a beautiful girl like Lisa to marry me? Well, that's because I used to have hair. And this is somewhat what it looked like, very thick and very wavy, but as you know, not anymore. So anyway, just thought that might be a little bit interesting. But there are some other advantages of live streaming. One is that you can be home right now in your pajamas or your sweats and sipping your coffee. You can fall asleep in the sermon and nobody would ever know. You could even snore and no, well, that's not quite true. I would know because technology is wonderful. We found this app that allows us not only for you to see us, but now I can see you on the screen. I got these little screens and I can see everybody that's online right now because your camera works both ways. So, John, you need to shave just in case. John got a very scruffy beard going on right now. Now, that's not true. That's fake news. I can't see you in the screen. Uh, But there's a lot of fake news going around and things that you need to be aware of. And we started a couple weeks ago, uh, last week during the live stream, but about three weeks ago, I wrote down eight things that we need to keep in mind. And I shared with with you last time. I'm going to share them with you real quick this morning before we get into our sermon. Uh, Number one, we live in a fallen world. We are broken people born into a broken world. That's why there's viruses. That's why there's earthquakes and tsunamis. It's a broken world. Number two, this too shall pass. Just like Ebola and H1N1 and SARS and all these other things that really affected other cultures, they weren't so worldwide as this, but they passed, this too shall pass. Number three, God is in control. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Number four is use this opportunity to to go out and minister to the people around you, especially your neighbors, knock on the door, see if they need anything. This is not a time to be selfish. This is a time to be sacrificial. This is a time for us to put other people first and and stop hoarding if you're hoarding. Don't, Don't be hoarding things. Instead, share your stuff with other people. Number four, or number five, I guess, this is a time when people should see our calm confidence in God. They should know and they should be able to recognize it, that we're we're not being reckless, but we have a calm confidence in God and who he is. As we said last week, like Peter, when he got out of the boat in the middle of the storm, as long as he was focused on Jesus, he was fine. But the minute he began to look at the circumstances around him and begin to fear, that's when things went south for him and went bad for him. So stop being a scared boat potato. Instead, have a calm confidence in God and who he is. Uh, Next, number six, this is an opportunity not only for us to to spend time with our families and grow closer as a family, this is an opportunity for revival. And it's an opportunity for revival in at least two ways. One, this virus has made our whole world ripe for revival. Consider this, what this virus has done is just knock down every one of our little gods, little G gods that we have. For example, sports, gone. You know, health, 
gone. Entertainment, to a lot of degree, gone. Uh, wealth is gone. You know, power and position, all that stuff is gone. It's knocked down all these little small G gods. And what an opportunity for revival for people to see who the real God is. Another opportunity is that we shouldn't just be praying on God to protect us, but for God to use us. Do you realize that in the first couple of centuries of Christianity and the Roman Empire, they had uh, epidemics pop up, like plagues type things pop up uh, every so many years in the first couple of centuries. And, and what happened is that when they would pop up in the city, everybody would just flee the city and just run away and go outside. But the Christians, they did not. They stayed in the city and they cared for the sick. And after about the second or third plague, when, when, when they were doing this, people began to take notice. And that's one of the main things that drove Christianity from being a persecuted religion to preferred religion in the Roman Empire. Uh, this virus is very contagious. But we as Christians, we need to be very contagious too with our love, with our grace, with our hope uh, in this. And, and so may this be a time when we are people who, who, who are looking to God, who are seeing how we can not fear, but have clean hands, both literally and figuratively, and, and open hearts and let God use us. Uh, number seven, nothing can separate us from God. Uh, nothing. Uh, the only other time like this in my lifetime was 9-11. And if you remember after 9-11, uh, everything closed down. Uh, the, the, at 9-11, everything sort of just was canceled. And, and the thing that you need to remember is that God will never cancel his, his love for us. It, who he is and what he can do is never going to go away. Remember that nothing uh, will ever take us out of his love, that he'll never forsake us. And number eight, last, pray. Pray for revival. Pray that God will keep our medical professionals safe. Pray for our seniors, especially those who are vulnerable to this, uh, that they may be safe in this. So this time that we're in is a wake-up call. For us to remember that the church is not a place we go to. The church is who we are. And although we may be doing church differently, uh, we're still the church. We're, we're, we'll always be the church. Second, this is a wake-up call for us to be reminded of the value of fellowship, the value of just shaking another person's hand and, and being around each other. May we, we never take that for granted again. Uh, what has, has sort of scared me, in the midst is, is not, I'm not really scared so much of getting the virus. What scares me some is people who would try to hoard toilet paper and ammo. What scares me a little bit more is people who would steal toilet paper and, and respirators and masks from people who need it most. But what I'm really scared of is the message that we will send to our kids, the message we will send to our culture if we as Christians throw reason out the window, if we throw concern for other people first out the window, if we throw a calm confidence in God out the window. That's what scares me. Uh, so when this all started, and even right now, we have two extremes this in our culture. One extreme are the people who, who say this is all you know overblown, it's it's lots so media driven and overblown, and there's not too many more those people around anymore. But they were. The other extreme is those who would say, you know, get the toilet paper, get the rice and the beans, and load your gun. And then here's what people have been saying: the truth is found somewhere in the middle. 
No, the truth is not found in the middle. The truth is found in who God is. You remember when Jesus was talking about the end times, and he's saying, whenever you see all these signs going around, he doesn't say freak out. No, he says, look up. Look up to God and know that he is in control. So what I've been doing last week and this week is giving us a foundation of how we can go through this time and maintain our heads and our faith when everybody else is losing theirs. And what we said last week, the first thing is realize that that we were born to a fallen world, a, a slave to corruption. And But there's a time coming. We have heaven on our calendar where things are going to be so different, so much more glorious than they are now. And in the meantime, we have this hope. And today we're going to look at how we as Christians, that we should understand and know, have this firm assurance that God is in control. You know, I thought about what would Jesus say if he was here during this time? And I think Jesus would say what he said so often, do not be afraid. He wouldn't say, don't be careful. He wouldn't say, don't be practical. He would say, don't be afraid because, because God is in control. He is, he is in control of this. Uh, this battle to be in charge is very real. And this virus is going to reveal who you believe to be in control. It's going to reveal a lot about Christians, but especially who you believe to be in control. Because one of our first temptations that we face in the garden that the tempter gave us was, was the temptation to be in control, to be in charge, to be able to call the shots in our life. And and that's what we wanted was to be able to be in control, the one who could who could who could be in charge, and we tried it, but it didn't work out too well. It worked out pretty bad for our original parents, Adam and Eve. And that DNA, to want to be in charge, to want to be in control, that was passed down to us. Okay. And, and so this, we as Americans have this issue of we want to be in control of things. And sometimes we'll use money to try and gain control. Sometimes we'll use our anger. Uh, we'll use... Uh, you know, nagging or something like that to try and gain control. Uh, we'll sometimes use religion to gain control. I mean, legalism and, and people have used, not just legalism, people have used traditions that God didn't ordain to try and control other people. In, in fact, you'll probably agree with me here, 98% of church fights are about who's in control, who's going to get to do church their way. Uh, this is a time when people will even use God to try and gain control. They want to use God like some sort of genie and use their prayers to try and control God and and in that way to be in control. So we're going to go through some verses here. We're going to understand from Scripture, uh, not only that God is in control, but what it means to us, the difference it should make in our lives that God is in control. So let's look at, at Psalm 135. Verses 5 and 6, and these should come up on the screen if my technical engineer can make that happen. Uh, Psalm 135, 5 and 6. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deeps. Uh, in other words, we were born into somebody else's kingdom. God doesn't get off His throne and come sit on a love seat so we can sit down beside Him and rule the world. He's in control. It was his kingdom. It's his universe. It's all his creation. He's in control. And the fact is, we have control of very little. Let's look at another verse. Uh, James 4, 
13 through 16. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. See, every day of our life is impacted by people and circumstances we can't control. Some of you, a year from now, you're going to have cancer, but today you have no clue. I mean, I, I could look over this past year and see lots of people who, who suddenly had that diagnosis. They had no clue. Some of you, you're going to lose your jobs, maybe because it's economy. And, and a month ago, or even today, you have no clue. Some of you are going to have babies a year from now. That's the, probably the result of all this quarantining we're done. They're going to be called quarantiners, I'm sure, in, in December and January when we have this baby boom. But today, you have no clue. Life refuses to be managed. In fact, most of the good things in my life I did not orchestrate, and most of the bad things I did not anticipate. Life refuses to be managed. And the fact is, I believe God rigs this world in such a way so that we realize we're not the ones in control. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. I again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, and the battle is not to the warriors. And neither is bread to the wise, nor wealth to the discerning, nor favor to men of ability, for time and chance overtake them all. <laughs> In other words, it doesn't work the way it should, it's the way we think their things should work. Why? Because we're not in control. This is repeated again in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. It says this, Also we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. In other words, we're not in control. It's going to go according to God's plan. There is not one square inch of this universe where God is not in charge. That was settled in the first four words of the Bible, in the beginning God. Only God can make fixed plans. And the sooner we acknowledge this, the better off we're going to be. That's not passivity. It's just reality. And you know who knows this? Everybody in the recovery program knows this. People in whether it's alcohol or drugs and whatever recovery program, the first thing that they learn is that they're powerless and that they need to surrender to a higher power. So there's this fact that we just need to understand and, and line ourselves up under that God is in control. And when we realize that, it's going to have some ramifications in our life. It's going to make a difference in our life. And so what I want to do now for the rest of our time is to look at the difference it makes when we realize that God is in control. Number one, you'll love better. See, one of the things that, that control hogs have, one of the big issues that they have is, is people. People just irritate them. Uh, they're, they're a constant irritation because people refuse to be managed. In fact, I bet right now you have somebody in your life that irritates you because they won't allow you to fix them. But what if it's God's job to fix them and your job to love them? If there is somebody in your life right now that when you see them, they put you in a bad mood, then the chances are God's not on the throne in your life. You don't recognize that he's in control because you don't understand it's God's job to fix them. It's God's job for the outcome. It's your job to serve them and your job to love them. Next, when you give up control, you're going to start living with a, a boldness. 
because people who think they're in control, that they think they want more than anything else, is security. Uh, their goal in life is, is, is to be secure. They, they want to die and, and die safely and know that they're real secure. But nobody's going to come to your funeral and say, you know, the thing I admire about you is that you live such a safe life. Uh, nobody is going to, to say at your funeral, you risk too much for God. Listen to this verse in Acts 18, 9, uh, 9 and 10. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. Uh, God's just simply saying to Paul, I reign over everything that's trying to put you under, that you don't need to fear because I control the outcome. Uh, Paul, I want you to live by your convictions rather than your fears. Let me share something with you. When I first started preaching, there were some things that I would not say or put a certain way, and some things that I may not even preach on because I was afraid it's going to make some people mad. But then I realized I can't love people if I don't tell them the truth. That it's it's God's job to take care of the outcomes. It's my job to be obedient. And I can't tell you how much more freeing it is to, to, to preach by your convictions rather than your fears. And so when you learn that God is control, not only are you going to love people better, you're going to be bolder and, and live better and bolder. And next thing is your praise is going to be bigger. Your praise is going, is going to overpower your life. Because controlaholics, people who think they're in control... They let circumstances determine how much praise they give God. If things are going well, they give God lots of praise. If things are going bad, not so much. But hopefully you know we have a God that deserves to be praised no matter whether things are good or bad. And you will know that you understand that God is in control when you're able to praise him even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of difficulties. You'll know that you understand that he's in control. Uh, Next, and we're going to spend some time here on this one. If you embrace that God is in control, circumstances won't upset you so much because you realize that God has a purpose in everything. So let's look at this verse that we're all familiar with in Romans 8, 28. It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. God has a purpose for our good. And because he is in control, he has the ability to make this happen for our good. You know, there, there are two things that, that is said to be most painful in life. One is giving birth. Sorry, Abby and Amanda, but that's one of the things. The other thing is passing a kidney stone. Now, after a woman gives birth, she might say something like, I think I'll do this again. But nobody after passing a kidney stone says, I want to do this again. Why? Because of the outcome. The difference is the outcome. And what God is saying is that since I'm in control, I can take no matter what you're going through and bring about a good outcome. Listen to this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. In the wilderness he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. So they had 40 years of these good times, 40 years of these bad times, 40 years of all this mess going on. But why? God says, in order to do good for you. 
because I want to take all that stuff because I have the power to do it, to take all that stuff and mold it for your good. Listen to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about the present result to preserve many people alive. So after 15 years of mistreatment, Joseph says, all my pain that I went through, it had a purpose. He's basically telling his brothers this. He says, look, you were sinful. It was your sin, your envy, your messing up that led to this. And nobody coerced you into this. You did this your own way. But God was able to take all this and accomplish his plan and his purpose. God was in control of what looked like a completely out-of-control situation. You remember when Israel wanted a king? Scripture was very clear on the, on the two reasons that Israel wanted a king. One, they were rejecting God. And number two, they wanted to look like the other nations. Both of those were sinful reasons. But God was able to take this desire for a king and bring about a king whose name, position, and, t and title would be a foreshadowing of the king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, Acts chapter 4 is a great example of this. Acts chapter 4, verse 27, 28. For truly in this city... There were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. <laughs> See, even at the time of Jesus being crucified, everything seemed completely out of control, but it wasn't. God was in complete control of every detail of that. Every little piece of minutia that was going on, he was in complete control, even though... You had the rebellious act of, of men going on. God was still in control. You remember when Job lost everything? Uh, it seemed like his life was completely out of control. And he cried out to God, God, why? Why has this happened to me? And God simply responds to Job this way, Job, do you know how many snowflakes are going to fall? In other words, I'm in control. Job got the message that God was in control of even how many snowflakes are going to fall on the earth today. And he repented. John 19. One more example here. And then I'm going to ask you some questions. John 19, verse 9 and 10. Talking about Jesus. And he entered into Praetorium again and said to Jesus, oh, this Pilate going to, said, said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you do not speak to me. Do you know that I have the authority to release you and I have the authority to crucify you? In other words, he said, don't you know, Jesus, I have the authority over your life. I have the authority not only to decide if you die, I've got the authority to decide how you die. And Jesus, bloodied and beaten, hours away from death, he turns to Pilate and he says this in verse 11. You would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. In other words, Pilate, you're not in charge. Your destiny is not in my hands. The only authority you have is what's been given to you. Then here's what Pilate says in verse 12, or what happens. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. You see, Pilate had never seen anything like this before. Pilate had seen lots of people before him beaten and lots of people who were so close to death, and he knew they would say anything to get out of this. But Jesus, oh, that was different. Because Jesus was responding as anybody would who knew that God was in control. So Jesus dies, and a few days later, he raises again. And what he says, we know those words. He says, 
I have authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. In other words, live your life as if I'm sovereign and I'm in control. Pilate, who thought he was in control, two years later he gets replaced. He gets banished to Gaul. He winds up committing suicide. Here's the thing. In the midst of what's going on right now, please do not ever act as if God's hands are tied. Please do not ever act as if as if the the what the outcome is is up to to your best efforts or what people do and what people don't do. The great news is in the midst of all this is God is still in control. So here are the questions uh, that I want to ask you. Number one, what part of your life right now seems out of control? What part of it? Are you going to continue to live under the illusion that you can gain control? Or are you going to embrace this truth? Next question. Do you live with the confidence that God controls the outcomes? If you believe that God was absolutely in control, how would you respond to this virus? Now, don't misunderstand me. You shouldn't respond with presumption. You know, like some people do, asking God to help them do something stupid, snake handling, things like that. You know, well, let me just go out and and party and, and do all this. I don't care. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But do you live with a constant God actually controls the outcomes? Some of you are worriers because you've lost sight of this truth. Some of you are control freaks. Now, you call yourself being careful. You call yourself being organized. But really, you're a control freak because you've lost sight of this. One last thing. There are probably a dozen things in your life right now that are out of control. Just pick one and release it to God. Would you do that for me? (laughs) I'm not asking for a whole lot, okay? Of all the things that seem out of control in your life, all the things that you would like to control, maybe that's another way to look at it. What is something in your life going on that you would like to control right now but seems out of control? Could you just release that to God? Could you just live... Your life is if God is control of the outcomes. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.